So we're going to be looking at Hebrews 10, 1 through 18. I'll start uh, by reading the passage for us. If you want to stand with me as we read God's word as well. And then I'll pray as we get started again. So Hebrews 10, 1 through 18. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Uh, for, the, for the drama that you've laid out in your narrative. You created a system that reminds us of our sin. And then through that insufficient system, you've shown us the perfect sacrifice that takes care of our sin. Lord, I ask that as we look into this this morning, you would fill me with your spirit, help me speak with clarity. And give us just a greater vision of your message and your sacrifice. Lift these things up in Jesus' name. Amen. So the author here is arguing for the ending of the old sacrificial system that the Jews had all throughout the Old Testament. Thousands of years. Moses was the one who got the original instructions for this and instituted it. And he starts in verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. He's saying that the, the system of the Old Testament, their sacrifices of the bulls and goats year after year, was a a shadow 
of the reality. It was, it's the similar way as if we're looking at a shadow. You can tell it's a person or a dog, but you can't tell which person it is or what dog it is. It's the same thing. It's almost like one of those paint-by-numbers pictures you had when you were little, but the colors aren't filled in yet. You can kind of see what it is, but there's no detail. There's a form there, but there's no substance to the system. That's what he's calling the old sacrificial system. And here's his argument for why it's like that. It's in verse 2. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. It's a pretty convincing argument. The sacrifices had to continually be made year after year, week after week. And his argument is, okay, if this actually worked, if this was the main thing, once it happened, your sins would be covered and you wouldn't need to repeatedly do it over and over again. It's a convincing argument. So by the very nature of its repetitiveness, is showing that it's not sufficient to cover your sins. And then he talks about the real purpose of it. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The real purpose of the sacrificial system was to remind them of the sin they were in every year. This would have been an incredible scene. Um, just think, so let's create a totally hypothetical situation and say we were in this system, okay? Can you imagine the tone that our entire year would have? So just think of the anticipation leading up to Christmas. Okay, you're, you're thinking about it. All of December is just full of decorations, Christmas music, anticipation for opening up gifts on Christmas morning and that holiday. So flip that over. Let's say in the fall every year, sometime October, first week of October, you would have to go to a temple with your entire family for a day somewhere downtown Minneapolis and all day witness the public slaughter of bulls and goats. And you had to bring one to offer for your family. Just think of the tone that the year would have looking up to that. I mean, I can just imagine the conversations. Just thinking, honey, did you order our goat for this year yet? Like, no, I haven't yet. I got to do that. They're $3,000 this year. It's like, the price went up again. Well, put it on the credit card, I guess. Take care of it. I mean, it would, it would set a tone for your entire year thinking about this day where you would have to go with your family to witness this. It's a powerful Reminder of sin. It would have been an incredible scene and would have set the tone for your entire year. And in verse 4, we have a universal truth as well. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. This is something that tribal religions have done for thousands of years. Animal sacrifices to appease their gods. And here it says it's impossible. The blood of bulls and goats can never take away sins. So in verses 5 and 8, we are shown a new and better system. 
the shadow of that old system is filled in. The paint-by-numbers picture, the colors are finally filled in, and we can see what it was actually pointing towards. Five through eight. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. We're shown the new and better system set up by Christ. The old system of bulls and goats slaughtered year after year, it was never the true essence of God's plan. His end goal was not slaughter bulls and goats for all eternity to appease me. There was no desire for that. Verse 9, then he added, behold, I have come to do your will, which is that the will of God from verse 7. I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. Christ abolishes that old system. And in verse 10, he says, and by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. There's a total change in the system. There was one sacrifice that accomplished the covering of all sins. There's a cosmic change. No longer do we cleanse ourselves by offering animal sacrifices. We sometimes pass over this idea because we're very far removed from this. It has nothing to do with, we don't sacrifice animals on a regular basis. But let's do another hypothetical situation. Let's say the old system was not done away with, and I wanted to have a relationship with God. Here's what I would have to do. And we, there's two things that we have to ignore in order for this to work. One, we have to ignore that the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. It's no longer there. So first of all, there's no place to offer the sacrifices. That's a big deal. Secondly, I am Gentile. I'm not Jewish. So that's one strike against me right off the bat. So let's ignore those two things and then say I wanted to have a relationship with God. What I would have to do every year, at least once a year, is buy a plane ticket for my entire family to go to Jerusalem. Once we get there, we'd have to buy a goat or a bull. Uh, if I didn't have enough money, I could buy a dove. They had a, an allowance for that. And typically, this, this was happening in Jesus' time as well. This is why he got so upset when he went into the temple and overturned the money changers. They were exchanging money for the offerings, bulls and goats and doves, and they were charging incredibly inflated prices. That's why he got upset. So who knows how much I'd have to pay for that. And then I would have to wait in line at the temple, probably way at the end of the line, because I'm Gentile, I'm not Jewish. And I would have to witness the slaughter of all these animals year in, year out. And then 
we'd have to fly back and I'd have to immediately start prepping for the trip next year and do it over and over and over again. Christ does away with that shadow system. And he says there is one sacrifice. Verse 10, and by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, no longer bulls, goats, and animals. Once, it's not, not repeated year after year. It was one. One and done. And that, that's what he says on the cross. It is finished. For all. No longer is it just for the Jews. Every nation and tribe and tongue has access to this once for all sacrifice. This is the new system that he puts in place. Verse 11, he goes on, adds a little bit more color to it. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. There's no repeating again. It's once for all. What the, the priests did is they would have to repeatedly do this. They couldn't sit down until they were done. It, was, it would have been an incredibly laborious task doing these sacrifices, dealing with these animals all day. What this says in the next verse, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. He did it once, and then he sat down, and it was done. The one perfect sacrifice. Verse 13, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. After he made and became that sacrifice on the cross, he sat down at the right hand of God. And he's doing a number of things. One, he's interceding for you daily, 24-7. At this very moment right now, he sits in the throne room of God, wherever that is or whenever or however that works, and he intercedes for you constantly. And number two, he is waiting to come back. I think I said this when I spoke one other time before. The second time Jesus comes is going to be very different from the first time he came. There is no human who has ever been more mistreated, more betrayed, more discriminated, and more hated than Jesus. And when he comes again, he will be vindicated. And all of his enemies will be made a footstool at his feet. Everyone will bow to him, willingly and unwillingly. One day when he comes, everyone will see who he really is. And you should, you should look forward to that day. It's going to be a scary day, but you should look forward to it. He will be vindicated for all the wrongs that have been done to him. There's one more aspect of this new system that we're a part of now. That 
was nowhere close to what the old system could do. Verse 14. And this is a strange verse. There's verses like this all over the Bible. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. There's verses like this all over, a confusing mix of past and present. In already, but not yet, totally perfect yet broken. For by a single offering, he has perfected, done, past tense, for all time. You're perfected forever, those who are being perfected, sanctified. It's a, there's a deep mystery in our salvation in this verse. There's an aspect where we are absolutely perfect before God right now. Yet, it doesn't take us long to realize that we are broken and need to be fixed. There's stuff wrong in here. But yet, at this very moment, I am perfect, absolutely perfect, no sin, no mistakes, no wrongs before God in his throne room. And somehow, out of that already perfection, I live out my perfecting. It's a weird state to live in, but we're there if we're a Christian. And we, we often think of our, our holiness and our sanctification, our growing in holiness as a process that we go through our entire life. But there's an element of it that is also a position. You are sanctified. You are holy right now. And your life should flow out of that perfection. I heard a story of a well-known pastor when he was little. This would have been back in the 50s. He, his father was the pastor of a smaller town. And when he was little, um, probably under 10 years old, he stole a candy bar from the local general store. And he got caught doing it. So local... Uh, police chief comes and picks him up, brings him down to the police station of the small town. Everyone knew he's the pastor's kid. And every person he came in contact with said, don't you realize who your father is? And their point was not that he forgot who his dad was. Their point was to say, don't you realize the position that you have? Don't you realize your position and what you need to live up to? And in a sense, that's what we need to remember as well. Don't, we, don't you realize your position? Don't you know who your father is? There, there's a position that we hold of perfection before the father because of this once for all sacrifice. It's a similar picture to the, the Israelites being led out of Egypt. They were free. They were out of Egypt. On the other side of the sea, Egyptian army killed, 
yet they still were living like they were in Egypt. It, I mean, it couldn't have been more than a couple weeks, and they're gathering all their jewelry to make a gold cow. They were not living out of their freedom. All they could think about was, we don't have as good a food out here, blah, 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 moaning and groaning, not realizing the freedom that they had, the position that they now could live out of. And that's part of our challenge in the Christian life is realizing our position and living out of that position. And the Holy Spirit helps us. Verse 15 through 17, and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts, write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. This is God's end of the bargain. This is how he will help you remember your position. Not only is there a once-for-all sacrifice that cleanses us from sin, perfectly, totally, but he indwells us with his spirit to teach us his law and how we should live out that position. He writes the law in our heart, in our mind, and he remembers our sins no more. It's a far better system than the old one. There is a, an actual indwelling of the, sac- the perfected sacrifice. It's not removed with animals and bulls and goats, but it's the once for all sacrifice of Christ in which his spirit then dwells in you to help you live out that declared perfection. Verse 18 is the last blow to the old system. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sins. This can be kind of a, uh, not throwaway versus strong word, but we just kind of pass over it real quick when we read. Because we feel like, okay, yeah, he's just summarizing what he said, move on. But this is an incredible verse. Because here's what he's saying. Where, where there's forgiveness of these, there is no longer offering for sin. Now that God has made the way, the one way, to take care of sin in your life, there is now no offering for sin. There's nothing you can do apart from Christ. Every world religion, philosophy, way of life, other than the gospel, fits into here. Where there's forgiveness of sins through Christ and this sacrifice, there are no other ways. There's no other offerings. This is the last blow to an old system. It's a one-time thing, Christ, the actual event of Christ on the cross, perfectly taking care of the sin problem once and for all. And it's out of that that we live. There's no other way. There's no other way to get to God now. 
He's made the way. There are no other offerings for sins. There's one for all. The old system of repetitive, insufficient animal sacrifice never took care of sins permanently. But now, by God's will, Christ has given his own body as the sacrifice. Once for all, and he has completely removed the stain of sin on your life through that sacrifice. This is the gospel, pure and simple. And the old Jewish system that we've been hearing about through the book of Hebrews was simply a a foreshadowing, a hollow form to get us to start thinking about what the actual one-time real sacrifice would look like. And above that, he indwells you with his spirit to help you live out his law and his word. It's a far better system. The details are all filled in. The picture is totally painted for how God now interacts with us. There is a once-for-all sacrifice for sins through Jesus on the cross, and it is through that that we are permanently perfected for the rest of our life and the rest of eternity. And it's out of that that we need to live. There is a practice that we now do in the church, communion. And that's one of our, there, there are some weaknesses to our system. I don't think we do enough to remember things. We've kind of gone to the other side of the ditch. Very informal, no liturgy. There's no seasons for us to be thinking about things. There's very little. But one of the things we do is communion. And the purpose of that is not for us to remember the sin, but it's to remember the one sacrifice that took away your sins. It's a new way of remembrance. And if you are covered by that one sacrifice, it is freely yours to take and remember. So we have two steps in the front. We don't have one in the back this week. But as you feel led, come up and take communion, remembering that one sacrifice. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this one sacrifice, perfect sacrifice, once for all, taking care of that problem of sin in our lives. And Father, I ask that you would help us through your indwelling spirit understand our position and the reality that we are right now perfect before you. Even though every single day when I look at myself, it does not, it feels far from that. Lord, help us live out that perfection as we try to go about our lives and share this message. We lift these things up in your Son's name because it's only through him that we have any hope of coming to you. Amen.